0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Nuclear energy, it uh, should be and uh, thankfully is in many places anyway, part of the conversation about dealing with the energy crisis that we're dealing with these days. Uh, The overriding question always has been, well, what do you do with nuclear waste? Uh, You can't put it in a green bin. Uh, There's got to be some long-term solution to this. Well, we may be close to that solution now. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Dr. Chris Kiefer. Uh, Dr. Kiefer is the president of Canadians for Nuclear Energy. Uh, Doctor, always a pleasure. Thanks for being back with us on the uh, program today
1: great chatting with you as well, Bill.
0: Let's, let's talk a little bit about where we are now. Uh, my understanding is you've been looking for a long, long time. You just can't find a hole in the ground someplace and throw dirt on it and say, there, our work is done. Uh, there's a process, and it's, it's a rather intricate process, isn't it?
1: It sure is. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm a Canadian physician who advocates for nuclear energy because of all the benefits um, that I've seen both in my clinical practice in terms of the huge improvements in air quality uh, we've seen here in Ontario with the nuclear powered coal phase that I have to say I'm not involved um, with any of the nuclear waste planning but I, I think I do have some interesting insights on it and uh, from having studied it and paid attention to it for some years yes it is an incredibly uh, lengthy and complicated process uh, maybe a little more so than it needs to be but uh, that's my outsider's opinion.
0: Well, that's what governments do, isn't it? Uh, uh, you know, they order a lot of red tape every time they want to put something together, and I can understand that. Cause, uh, there's always been some safety concerns, but uh, especially with with your medical background, uh, I, I think it's refreshing because one of the uh, myths out there is that look, don't go near this; this is dangerous. Uh, you know, we we all saw that movie back in the late '70s. You know, the China Syndrome. And, uh, Let's get away from nuclear. And, and some countries seem to be weaning away from this. Uh, I wanted to get your read on that, doctor, because I, I think and I've talked to a number of people that think, look, at, we, we have to reconsider nuclear. As, as, I know it's already still being used, but uh, as we look at what's going on with fossil fuels and, and the rising cost of those, uh, that nuclear is, is in this area anyway, part of the answer.
1: Listen, I mean, nuclear has a demonstrated track record, both in terms of climate change and now with this pressing issue of energy security on that front as well. Um, You know, around the world, it's been deployed at a large scale. You know, I think some great examples are France, um, where in response to the oil crisis, the OPEC crisis, where there were skyrocketing fossil fuel prices, um, France decarbonized their electricity system and much of the rest of their economy by building 56 reactors in 20 years. Um, Ontario did something similar. We built 20 large candy reactors in 20 years. um, And this has delivered us prosperity. It delivered us, again, the elimination of coal, um, which used to poison our airs, uh, our air, I'm sure you were around in the days of what we used to call Toronto, the big smoke, 53 oh, smog yeah. days every year, you know, nuclear contributed massively to eliminating that. Um, so this isn't some theoretical or something we need to to, to reconsider, um, you know, or, or be tentative about, I think it's something we really need to embrace. Um, you know, Canada is a hydropower. Um, you know, we have a lot of hydroelectricity. That's amazing. But, you know, we need we need to double or triple the size of our grid, um, you know, over the next 20 or 30 years, um, we need to use something that's worked very well for us, you know, a made in Canada solution, which is our, our candy reactor and our nuclear technology. So it's something I'm I'm very enthusiastic about. Yeah.
0: Why isn't there more discussion about this, though? I mean, you know, the, the, the work needs to be done. As you say, some of the uh, facilities here, are, they're, ta- they're talking about decommissioning. Others is going to take massive amounts of money uh, to, to get them back up to speed, uh, and, and I, which I think is worth the investment, especially considering what we're facing. I mean, what we're going through right now uh, with, with gasoline and oil prices, uh, I think, is, is an indicator and probably a red flag to say, look, this could happen again. Nobody thought it was going to happen again after we saw these these prices spiked back in the 80s and 90s. And here we are again. So I mean, we have to start like thinking long term here, don't we?
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, it's it's hard to get your head around some of the big numbers involved in, in building our energy infrastructure. I think a comparison here is useful, though. Um, you know, over the 20 to 30 years of the wind and solar bill that in Ontario known as the Green Energy Act, um, that's going to run us up a bill of 60 billion dollars. That's six zero billion dollars, right? Um, we are engaging in Canada's largest infrastructure project, which is the refurbishment of much of our Candu nuclear fleet. Again, that delivers us really high value and low cost energy. It's the second cheapest energy that we have on our grid. And beyond that, it provides quality jobs and really stimulates our economy. So every dollar that we spend on nuclear generates a dollar forty in economic returns, uh, mostly because um, we're paying you know skilled trades workers and engineers good wages and they go and have uh, spend that money in in their communities so it's it's a good investment um, you know hard things are hard we need to spend some money here um, and this is a great alternative compared to importing you know wind turbines and solar panels from china or importing fracked natural gas from the usa which we've seen more than quadruple in price over the last 2 years you know the fracking revolution delivered cheap gas but we're back up to prices we haven't seen since since before all of that gas was unleashed in the states
0: why, why did the interest, historical perspective here, why did the interest seem to wane about nuclear power, nuclear energy? Was, was it this push towards uh, the green environment, the green economy, the winds and, and the solar projects?
1: Well, you know, I, I I do want to bring it back to, uh, you know, the reason you reached out to me. And, and I think, um, you know, there's many, many reasons, lots of ways to answer that question. But, you know, something that frustrates me the most is that um, mainstream environmental organizations have created such a furor about nuclear energy. Um, you know, this, despite the fact that you know, nuclear has been the quickest addition of carbon free energy in the world in places, again, like France, Sweden, and Ontario, you know, that it delivers zero emissions. And really, and this is I'm going to say something controversial here, that it produces almost the perfect type of waste. And uh, if you let me explain that, sure. um, you know, we produce a very small amount of this highly radioactive waste. Um, it's it would fit in one hockey rink piled 32 feet high. I want to make a comparison with you there. Because people don't think about all of the waste going into our atmosphere from from fossil fuels. Um, Here's a fact for you. So we emit um, 50 gigatons of CO2 per year on the planet. Canada is almost one-fiftieth of that. One gigaton um, of CO2, if you were to stack um, an equivalent, think of elephants. You'd have to stack 200 million elephants. That would go all the way to the moon. That's about as much CO2 as we're putting into the atmosphere every year versus generating a solid ceramic waste that could fit in one hockey rink. You know, so that's just one reason why nuclear waste is should not be treated as the bogeyman that it is. It's been safely contained for the last 70 years. There's not been a single incident. No one has been hurt by it. You know, because we produce so little of it, we can contain it. It doesn't get out into the atmosphere, into the water, into the land, Um, and we have a permanent solution in the form of a deep geologic repository, which I'm I'm happy to get into with you.
0: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that, because that's the solution. I know they seem to have narrowed it down to two different sites, uh, and well, there's going to be some politics involved in that, too, because they're both up in, in the north. And, and uh, uh, there's, there's a great deal of controversy right now about, about land ownership, indigenous rights, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, as you said, doctor, some people just have the mindset, are we just always going to continue to dump all our crap up north and let them deal with it? Uh, which I don't think is really a fair... I know some cities did that. They were just looking for an old abandoned mine someplace and dumping their, their municipal garbage in there. But there's a different protocol for nuclear waste, isn't there?
1: Yeah, and I think the word um, dump is is pretty laden, right? And and people have every reason in the world to be worried about, you know, what could be put in their backyards. Um, but this isn't a dump. This is a highly uh, technological facility. Um, you know, it's, it's a... Um, we're depositing the waste in a rock formation that is hundreds of millions of years old, that is very stable, that we understand really, really well. And, you know, the problem with people who fear monger about nuclear waste is they can't come up with a delivery mechanism for that waste to get out or to get into the environment or into human bodies and cause harm. And this was the really staggering thing that I learned. So, you know, the way, the way for this waste to get out of that geology, right, is water needs to get through all of the artificial barriers we're putting in place, dissolve waste, people don't understand what waste is, it's, it's a ceramic pellet, it's like a coffee cup in terms of, you know, a solid material, it doesn't dissolve easily, but it would need to be dissolved, and then carried away by that water. Now, the rock that we're talking about putting it in, it takes 1 million years for water to move through that rock 1 meter. Right, And so I think people are fearful because they think, listen, I mean, we have to store this stuff for thousands or tens of thousands of years. No human civilization has lasted that long. And that's a fair point. But we're not talking about containing it as a civilization. We're talking about geologic timeframes. And I think we need to be a lot more comfortable with that, Um, again, because the rock does such a good job of containing this stuff. There's simply no mechanism for it to get out. You know, this, this isn't going to be a lava flow. Um, waste cannot uh, explode like a nuclear weapon. It's inert. It just sits there in these, these containers um, and is very well contained by the rock. So, you know... It's interesting, you know. As you were saying, there's lots of controversy in the communities. Um, Finland is actually farther along. They've they've started to actually excavate their deep geologic repository, and their communities were competing for where to site it. And I think that has to do with the fact that Finland really um, has an exceptional education system. You know, you need a master's degree to teach kindergarten in Finland. They're a very educated society with a lot more trust in in politics and in their experts. So I think that's something that's lacking here. Um, But I'm I'm glad to be on your show to try and do a little bit that education
0: well i'm glad you focused on scandinavia because that's an interesting uh, comparator to what we're going through here uh and maybe education is one of the main factors there doctor because they seem to be uh more in tune and and and, and better able to deal with this as opposed to dealing with the mythology uh that surrounded this and the Sweden, I think it was, the the Green Party over there anyway, they're not called Green but it's the equivalent of the Green Party that we have here Uh, at their convention just a couple of months ago now, uh, suggested that they should drop this opposition to nuclear power and consider it as a viable option going forward because of the energy crisis that we're facing Uh, that was kind of a jaw-dropping moment I guess for an awful lot of the people that were supportive of that party and and the Greens here just I I don't think are ready to make that kind of a move, but it shows you that to be far more pragmatic about this than idea and maybe that's what we need now.
1: Yeah, no, that, that was the official... Um Finnish Green Party, um, and oh, they. 50, I think okay. this is a this is an enthusiastic in, in endorsement. They said we should actually speed up the licensing and deployment of SMRs. Um, they've always been in support of the deep geologic repository because they said, "Hey, we're generating this stuff. Um, we need to find a solution for it." And you know, in terms of this education issue, it's really also an issue of combating misinformation, uh, right? And some of the tactics employed by the environmental groups to to fear monger about this um, are frankly irresponsible and. I think, you know, I would draw links to the ways in which anti-vax advocates you know, for instance, we're drawing false connections between the MMR vaccine and autism. It's this level of, of irresponsibility. Um, you know, up north, a, a bunch of activists put little um, wooden pucks with a radiation symbol on symbol on them in the river and have a prize for whoever can collect the puck that washes furthest away. I mean, this is complete misinformation. We're talking again about waste buried half a kilometer deep underground, where the only way it can escape is working through rock that contains it, that only allows it to move a meter in a million years. Um, so a big part of this is, uh, is combating misinformation. And, um, you know, I really hope that uh, the Canadian Greens, the Ontario Greens um, will follow the lead of the Finnish Greens. And, and to be honest, we have seen a bit of a shift. Um, the Ontario Greens do say that we should keep our existing nuclear open. They're no longer fighting to shut yeah. it down, um, which I think is a, is a positive first step.
0: Well, and your point, uh, again, because it destroys one of those other myths, uh, the, the, the way, it's, it's inert. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to bubble over and all of a sudden explode. And, you know, it, it, we have to understand what we're dealing with in this situation. And because uh, they initially, as you know, there were talks about, well, what's it going to do to the water table? What's it going to do to the soil, et cetera? Well, the answer is nothing. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just going to sit there in the rock.
1: That that's absolutely true. And again, I mean, talking about education and misinformation, I mean, God love the Simpsons. It's a show I grew up with and it's it's hilarious. <laughs> a great show, but it, it did a lot, unfortunately, to misinform um the Canadian and, and North American public, its viewership, right? I mean, there we learned that nuclear waste was uh, you know, a glowing green liquid just kept in uh some barrels and You know, not not being carefully looked after. I mean, every single can do fuel bundle that's ever been through reactor, we know exactly where it is. And it's in these small warehouses with the land footprint of a Costco um, sitting in steel and concrete containers that you can walk around. You know, um, so, you know, I think part of the failing here is also um, on the nuclear industry itself for not demystifying that, um, you know, in the Netherlands, there's actually um, they store their nuclear waste in a, in, a, in a facility where they have art hanging on the walls. Um, you know, and and the canisters are underground and you can walk around there and look at works of art. Um, and this just goes to sort of educate the public um, and, and demystify the source because it's something that we really have to do. Again, this fear of nuclear waste is something that the anti-nuclear activists used to say, well, you know, we can't do any more of it until we find a solution. We have a solution, but they're obstructing it every step of the way, um, and we really need them to get out of the way for for again those key reasons of climate change. Nuclear has this demonstrated track record; it's it's made Ontario enviable in the in the world. We've deeply decarbonized our electricity grid. Very few other countries have done it. None have done it with wind and solar, um, and it delivers the ultimate form of energy security. Um, our, our nuclear supply chain from the, the uranium that we mine in Saskatchewan right up to the power plants, that's entirely within Canada and Canadian control. Um, and you know, we should not be burning natural gas to make electricity. Um, we can do that with nuclear. I mean, A, because it's bad for the climate, B, because it's bad for our air quality and C, because it's getting really costly.
0: Well, and the big challenge here, I know we're just about out of time is that, uh... The politicians, and they're the ones that control a lot of the money, and the, et cetera, are usually last at the party on issues like this. I mean, they, they will go with public sentiment. So job one, I guess, is, is to educate people, as they've done in Scandinavia, to understand exactly what it is they're dealing with. And invariably, the politicians will follow. But uh, it's going to have to be a grassroots organization, uh, and and which is why it's important to have conversations like this so people are aware of, of the facts as opposed to the mythology.
1: You know what? It's, it's far easier to ban plastic straws than um, to do the big bold things that are required um, both for climate change and to maintain canada as a world leading place to live um, and that that is really threatened this this energy crisis is stinging canadian families hard it's driving inflation um, we have the tools and we have the smart investments that again deliver energy security and deliver a massive return on investment um, again every dollar spent on cando nuclear, um, gives back a dollar forty in GDP. So we we have the solutions. Um, and again, nuclear waste is this bogeyman that's been standing in the way. The antidote is education. So thanks for having me on, Bill.
0: Oh, it's it's a pleasure because it's it's such an important part of this. And as you say, it's not reinventing the wheel. We're already doing this. Uh, we just have to understand how important it can be going forward uh, and and understand, OK, there's going to be other elements to this, too. We can talk about the green energy programs, etc. cetera. But uh, when you want to talk about reliability, economics and, and, and safety, uh, I think, you know, this is something that needs to be front and center with the discussion. Uh, so glad you were available to talk to us again this, this morning, Doctor, about this. And uh, stay well and we'll talk again soon, I hope.
1: Thank you so much, Bill. It's great to be back
0: take care dr chris kiefer who is the president of canadians for nuclear energy and uh, there's a lot of things going on uh and his point about scandinavia is well taken they just they seem to get it over there and uh, that has a dramatic impact of course on government policies too uh, which is why they seem to be so much further ahead of us when it comes to these sorts of technologies the bill kelly show weekdays from nine to noon on 900 chml